0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Legal Man. We're going to have a good time tonight. I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about a case that came out from the Supreme Court. So during all these protests with that distraction, we're starting to get some Corona case law. And it's (laughs) just as I suspected, it screws the people. And it's just such a great example of how the system really works, and it's so short. I thought this would make a good show. People who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 30 years. The stuff really bothers me. <laughs> the The lies they tell about the system, the fakery that they put out there, the the absolute upside down nature of the freedom and the justice and the constitutional rights and and all that crap people uh imagine and it gets repeated over and over it's just such a lie I mean just really such a laughable lie and I like to talk about it and show people the truth and normally when I show them the truth most people don't even believe it but if I stick to just the legal area, well, then they can't say, well, are you a lawyer? <laughs> because, yes, I actually am a lawyer and have been for a long time. So I like to try to show people this in this one case. And obviously, there's so many other ways they scam people. But I do think this is a really important one. And I've, I've put a link to the case in the show notes. And the case is so short, it actually fit on my desktop on a single screen. That's how short the actual opinion is. Now there's a dissent, and it, I think it took up a little bit more than than one actual screen load, but not much, it wasn't two screens. And so people should pull it up and look at it, because I'm gonna go through a little of it, but you don't have to have it, you don't have to have it pulled up, I'll, don't worry about that. But I do wanna go through it, I wanna show you the really specific legal ways that they, they screw everybody procedurally, what it was, was they were seeking an injunction for the enforcement of this executive order. So the law says it's limited to only 25% of the building capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees, whichever is less. Now, of course, some of these megachurches, they have way more than 100 people, uh, if you could talk about 25%, because they hold thousands And so they were seeking uh, relief that this was unreasonable. In particular, what they were talking about, what they hung on to was the fact that they're constitutionally protected, right? I mean, religion, the, the law is supposed to be that they should make no law infringing that practice. So here's a law infringing, and let's see what the constitutional protections are. So they take it up to the courts. Actually written by John Roberts, who's supposedly a conservative Bush appointee or some crap. You know, just a scam. Who knows what kind of blackmail they have on this guy. But like I said, the opinion is only one page. The way it starts out is they give a factual background. And this is what it is. I want to read it because it's so ridiculous. It says, the governor of California's executive order aims to limit the spread of COVID-19 a novel severe acute respiratory illness that has killed thousands of people in California and more than 100,000 nationwide. At this time, there is no known cure, no effective treatment, and no vaccine. Because people may be infected but asymptomatic, they may unwittingly infect others. That's the facts they set out in order to give background to the order that restricts it. Well, look at those facts and think about the shows I've done on, on this ridiculous corona nonsense and the fact that none of that stuff is in the record because there is no record. There is no record of any of this. We don't have any idea who it's killing because it's just made up numbers. But they put that in right up front. The heart of the complaint that they were upset about was that some of these secular businesses, these big box stores and some other things, they have more than 100 people in them because they're big. And so it's like, well, why is a church limited down to only 100 people max, even if it's a huge megachurch, but these, these secular businesses are operating with more? I mean, it doesn't make any damn sense. And so that was the heart of the complaint because they said, look, we are a specifically protected entity under the religion clause of the First Amendment. If you're ever going to have an argument, okay, that's going to be able to overturn one of these executive orders on the basis that it's not fair to you, they are about as well positioned as you're ever going to get. You've got a nonsensical, arbitrary distinction between these commercial businesses and the church, even though the number of people stays the same. And so the social distancing and all this other crap is not explained anywhere in the order and there's no justification made for it. So the thing is teed up. If you're ever going to have a situation where you can win, this will be it. Let's see if they do win, right? Now, every case, it doesn't matter if you're briefing, it doesn't matter if the court's expressing an opinion, you have to have a legal standard from which to judge the case. This is where a huge amount of wiggle room is and where they screw people over and over again. Now, a legal standard is something like, well, preponderance of the evidence. People have heard that, you know, they've also heard things like beyond a reasonable doubt but they're unaware that there are just countless other legal standards so called that the court simply makes up and then says that that's what applies in the case. Where does it come from? If there's an actual statute, the Congress may set it out in there, but that does not the case most of the time. Most of the time, it's just a court invention. It's just, it's just something the court makes up and then acts as though it's somehow a holy thing that must apply. This entire analysis I'm doing, I'm leaving aside huge amounts of other ways that you're getting screwed by the courts, but they're going to take a lot of different shows to explain to people. And I have a lot of it written at my website, but let's just say we're putting all of those others aside. I'm simply going with the narrative we actually have in front of us just on this case, the one they are presenting. So let's look at how they actually present what they call the legal standard in this case And it says, applicants seek to enjoin enforcement of the order. Such a request demands a significantly higher justification than a request for a stay. Because unlike a stay, an injunction does not simply suspend judicial alteration of the status quo, but grants judicial intervention that has been withheld by the courts. Okay, that sounds like a big mouthful of stuff, but all they're really saying there is, look, these people want the court to say that the law is no good. In that situation, that's a different case than just saying, let's put the law on hold while we make an analysis. This is actually wanting the court to say, no, they can't do this under the law. And here's how the court describes the standard necessary to achieve that in this case. This power is used where the legal rights at issue are indisputably clear and even then, sparingly, and only in the most critical and exigent circumstances. That is what the court has claimed is the technical legal standard that the people have to meet. So this court is saying that the the church must come in and show that the legal rights they're claiming at issue are indisputably clear, and even if they show that, The power should only be used sparingly and only in the most critical and exigent circumstances, (laughs) okay? The standard they're setting is basically unreachable. As soon as you see a court setting out a standard like that, you can know. You don't even have to read the rest of the opinion to know these guys are fucked. They're completely screwed. They have no chance. (laughs) Who the hell's going to meet that standard, right? It's absurd. (laughs) And this is not uncommon. It really isn't. You ask, you say, okay, where does a standard like this come from? You look, is it in the Constitution? No, it's just something they make up. Okay, so this is the kind of thing where you know you are about to take it in a place you don't want to take it. (laughs) So let's look at what they say. Although California's guidelines place restrictions on places of worship, those restrictions appear consistent with the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. Period. That's it. There's their analysis. Is that Does that help you? Is that great? <laughs> it doesn't address the issue that they're talking about. What the people are complaining is that where's the explanation for why it is that, that, that churches, which are supposed to be specifically constitutionally protected, have this 100 person limit where these big box stores and Walmart crap like that, they don't have them. The court just avoids that issue, just completely avoids it. As ridiculous as that is, that happens all the time. I mean, all the time. They just avoid it. So who are you going to complain to? (laughs) This is the Supreme Court. There's nobody to review it. So you're stuck. So now let's look at what was the actual analysis they did besides that. Here's what they say. The precise question of when restrictions on particular social activities should be lifted during the pandemic is a dynamic and fact-intensive matter subject to reasonable disagreement. Okay, well, first of all, this isn't a social activity. This is a constitutionally protected religious activity. So they they immediately misstate the issue. So the question they present for themselves, which is just a straw man anyway they're going to destroy, is ridiculous. This is not a simple social activity. It's a constitutionally protected religious activity that says there shall be no law, but there's nothing part, no part of the analysis includes that. And so here the court goes on and says this, our constitution principally entrusts the safe and the health of the people to the politically accountable officials of the states to guard and protect. Okay. Got it. So your safety and health is is left in the hands of these politicians. Okay. That's what it says. It goes on, it says, when those officials undertake to act in areas fraught with medical and scientific uncertainties, their latitude must be especially broad. So again, they are setting up a situation where the chance to overcome it is almost nothing. Where does it come from that this idea that when they seek to act in an area full of scientific and medical uncertainty, that they must be given broad scope? Why? Where does it say that? It's just another thing they themselves made up. What the law should be is that when the government seeks to restrict people's freedoms, that they're very narrowly interpreted, that they have to show a tremendous amount of evidence, but instead the court flips it and gives the government all sorts of power and says that the onus is on the people to come forward with the evidence to prove that the government didn't abuse its very broad powers. It's absurd. They just make it up to screw you. This is how it's built over time. See, they they invent this standard, a broad scope, and and it sounds like it's something, but it's just some crap they're making up to extend the power of government. In a situation like this, where it's full of scientific uncertainty and a highly factual uh, analysis, and there's no record being made by the government, that's the last time when the latitude should be especially broad. That's absurd. If the court was there to actually protect people, the latitude would be extremely narrow. (laughs) But they've already screwed you. They're not going to allow, quote, second guessing by an unelected federal judiciary. Well, there was nothing to do with an election or a vote when it came to these restrictions. You didn't get a vote. It's all nonsense. There's no expertise applied here because there's nobody sworn in. And so now you've heard the heart of the entire argument. So here's how they justify their position. Where those broad limits are not exceeded, they should not be second-guessed. The notion that it is indisputably clear that the government's limitations are unconstitutional, seems quite improbable, period. End. That's it. The entire analysis is that they set this straw man up, that it could, that it should be indisputably clear or has to be indisputably clear, and they give him this broad notion, and their analysis of it is, is this. The notion that it is indisputably clear seems quite improbable. That's it. That's the end of the decision. That's all you get. I mean, look at that. Look at the absurdity of that. That is what all of the my constitutional rights and I fought for my rights and our constitution protects me. And That's what they come down to. An analysis like that, a dreamed up absurd standard that just gives government every possible break. And then the full analysis by the court is simply that it seems quite improbable. That's it. That's all it is. That's what you get. Do you understand what's happening here? Do you see all the ways they screw you with these technicalities? Have you ever heard anybody explain anything like this to you? (laughs) Of course not. Standard legal analysis is intended to be boring and completely deceptive. Okay. That's all it is intended to be. They're not about to tell you the truth about the system that's there to set up to screw you. (laughs) Why would they? It makes no sense course they aren't. In law school, the way you would, quote, analyze this case is you would find and set out the legal standard, which I've done here and showed you, and then you'd show the holding. And the holding is that last sentence I read you about how it's quite improbable. That's it. That's the holding in the case. Think how absurd this is. Now, there's a dissent, and the dissent makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, but it's just a dissent. And here's what the dissent actually says. The dissent doesn't even agree with this supposed holy standard that they used that is pulled out of a practice manual, okay? What the dissent says is that if California is going to oppose these rules, they have to be justified by a compelling governmental interest and they have to be narrowly tailored to advance that interest. That's what they say it is. Okay. So they don't even agree about the standard that's being used to evaluate it. So all your holy constitutional rights and everything else, the courts don't even agree about what standard needs to be applied in this case. Just think how absurd this all is. There's nothing holy about this. There's nothing fundamentally protective. There's nothing just about any of this. It's just a made up load of crap by some people, losers like Kagan and Roberts, just losers. And they make it up and they wield all this power because the people are so confused. They have no idea what's going on. And the dissent says it agrees there's a compelling interest, which I don't even think there is because COVID-19 is not a, a danger. If something that low is a compelling interest, then anything is. But even given that, the dissent says the restrictions are not meeting the narrowly tailored to advance the interest portion. The restrictions, they they hang on the fact that these restrictions make no distinction. Why is it okay to interact with a delivery person, but not okay to interact with a minister? Why can you go down these grocery aisles with all these additional people, but you can't sit in a pew? And of course, that's really the heart of all these problems. There's no explanation. And there is no explanation because there's no science, as I've pointed out again and again. It's just being made up. I think the dissent makes a lot more sense and they wouldn't have agreed to it, but it doesn't matter because the dissent doesn't carry the day. <laughs> it doesn't carry the day. You got screwed. Do you see how this actually works? Do you see how all the nonsense that's in your head about the Holy Court and the Justice this and the Constitution that is just a load of crap <laughs> that when you actually see how it works, it's just a set up scam? And what's even worse in this kind of case, it's a five to four decision. It's five to four. All of your supposed holy rights that I fight for, and my grandfather fought for, we've got the greatest system ever produced. Okay, all that crap, it all comes down to just one person changing their mind. That's it. All your rights balanced on the head of a pen of one person. And guess what? There's not a damn thing in the Constitution that says anything about that either it's just another thing made up by the court. Okay, just made up by the court. You know, if there's going to be anything even remotely reasonable, at a minimum, all of these decisions should have to be unanimous. How the hell is it okay for four people to disagree, have five people say one thing, and for you to lose your rights? (laughs) It's just, it's crazy what people believe. It's just, the system is so fundamentally screwed I strongly urge people to look at that simple opinion and listen back to what I've told you and just look at the fraud that's being presented. And guess what? There's nobody else telling you about this. There's nobody. Mark Levin, Marush Limbaugh, the way they covered it, all bullshit. They cover it in the same official narrative way with the red versus blue kind of oh, liberty rights. Do they tell you about the different standards? Do they tell you all these little legal technicalities that are the real heart of how you get screwed? Of course not. Because they're part of the system. This entire system is set up to lie to you. It's two false choices that they have everybody arguing about all the time. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just incredible to me. I mean, I left out such a huge number of things that are in there that all go into making this system possible. But I wanted to give you a very concrete example of how ridiculous the whole thing is. What a total fraud from top to bottom it is! I hope you get that sense now. I could go on and on, but I'm going to go ahead and and wrap it up because the reality is I've I've given you a lot. Uh, If you're not a lawyer, it's there's a lot there to digest, and I, I don't like to overwhelm people. Small bites are better. So I'm going to leave it there. That's going to be the show. I hope you follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at US Law Review uh, on Twitter. And I have my website, and I've linked them both in the show notes. Uh, so go by, check them out, get some entertainment out of that. And, uh, you know, check out my other episodes, listen to them, pass them around, share them with your friends. You know, share them with everybody. I'll make more. Hopefully, people will enjoy them and listen to them, and uh, we can all have a good laugh together at the massive fraud being presented to us. <laughs> Okay everybody, have a great day or a night and take care.